If you're new or recent with us, um, maybe this is your first time with us, just want to introduce myself. My name is Travis, um, and uh, we're so, I'm, the, I'm the lead pastor here. So glad that you have chosen to celebrate Christmas Eve with us. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a gift for you um, uh, just for being with us tonight. So um, uh, $50 gift cards. To, no, I'm just kidding. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. We'll tell you more about that. Uh, towards the end of the service. Um, but I was thinking uh, through this Advent season, right? And maybe, you, maybe you're showing up to church tonight, you've never experienced Advent and what that is. And, and basically, that is our way of lighting these candles that we've got to be really careful with because they could burn the place down. They're battery operated. Um, so we got to be... That was funnier in my mind. Um, but... Uh, but we light these candles, one represents hope, one represents joy, one represents peace, one represents love, and then the last one that we lit tonight represents Jesus, right? Just simply Jesus being the light of the world. I like to, I like to um, uh, kind of, you know, make a joke from time to time that if, if the pastor ever asks you or anyone ever asks you a question in church, you can always answer what, family? Jesus, right? You can never be wrong, Right? And that's kind of what we celebrate here at Christmas Eve, that Jesus is the point. Jesus is the point. You may have heard Jesus is the reason for the season, not to be cliche, but it's true. He really is the point. As I was thinking about and preparing for tonight, I was listening to someone in a conversation uh, out, out and about this week, right? Because sometimes I like to listen in on other people's conversations, right? Don't judge me. You do it too. Okay, all right, but I was, I was just kind of eavesdropping. It's easy when you're up here because, because those sound waves, they just kind of travel, right? And so it's easy for me to just kind of sit and, and listen to other people's conversations and miss the ones that I'm actually in. But anyway, that's beside the point. This is not about communication. Um, but I was over, overhearing someone's conversation and they said, they said, you know, we always as a family, we always as a family Look for a way, I think they were talking about a Christmas Eve service or something like that, not this one, um, but that's okay. Uh, but they, they were talking about how they always look for a way to make Jesus a part of the season. And I just thought to myself and wondered, right, and had a conversation with them in my mind, not in reality, um, but I, I, I just kind of pondered and I was like, that's it. That's, that's the point. That's why we do this. And that's why, in all honesty, we're having church tomorrow at 10 a.m. right back here where there's another free gift if you come. <laughs> Is that if we trust Jesus, if we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter and the finisher of our faith, For some of us, we're pursuing a way to put Jesus in the season and make Him a part of the season when really He's meant to be the entire thing. Like that's, that's, that's where I feel like many of us are, are frustrated. And maybe, maybe the inspiration behind O Holy Night, which is probably my favorite Christmas song, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Come to me, all who are weary. Come to me, the scripture says, all who are heavy. Jesus is speaking and he says, and I will give you 
rest. And I will give you rest. But the point that I want to, the, the, the passage that I want to point out to you tonight is actually in Matthew chapter 1. We heard Ashley read to us from Luke, uh, the Christmas story from Luke. And since 1965, um, I don't think anyone in here was, 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 was around then, but since 1965, uh, America has heard Linus tell the shepherd's version of the Christmas story, Charlie Brown Christmas. And have you, and, and have you ever wondered why God announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds? Because if you think about it, shepherds were not allowed to testify in court. They were often accused of being petty thieves. Shepherds were usually social and religious outcasts, considered unclean for temple worship. They wouldn't be allowed in the house. And imagine the long hours that the church back then would have put into rehearsal for the angel choir, only to be told that the concert would be out in the field with the shepherds. But maybe God appeared to the shepherds because he knew how they would respond. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says this, This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. See, God knew how the shepherds would respond. But something struck me from Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25. And I want to read it and talk a little bit and then we'll, we'll, we'll dive back into it. Is that all right? Good for the two or three of you that responded because I'm the one with the microphone. Okay, (laughs) starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. 19, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Look at your neighbor and say, don't fear. That was about half of you, but that's okay. We'll get there. Don't fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Something struck me, again, from this passage, and it's, when, it's what the angel said to Joseph. You see, Joseph was going to give Mary a quiet divorce. Why? Because he didn't want to shame her. Right? He didn't want to shame her. He didn't want to hurt her. Something, somehow he was going to divorce her quietly. And I'm not sure how this whole situation would have looked in those days. As it's obvious, Mary is pregnant. And there's some crazy story about who the father was. Because they weren't yet married. But for Joseph, as well as Mary, there would have been a lot of shame to take Mary as his wife right now. In this situation. She's pregnant, and she, and she has some far-fetched story about who the real father is. They would have probably had to go on Mari or Jerry to sort the whole thing out. 
And how do you explain that away? How do you even tell your parents about what's going on? So God sends an angel to talk to Joseph in a dream and tells him, again, look at verse 20, Joseph, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's pretty straightforward, but as I was reading this, as I was thinking about it, as I was pondering for tonight, it struck me what the angel was really telling Joseph and what it means for us. What he was telling Joseph and what it means for us is that he was telling Joseph, trust me. Trust me. He said, what what he's trying to get across and what it means for us is this. Joseph, who are you living for? Because I've got this. And see, the battle within many of us and what steals the joy away from this season and many others, what steals the hope away from this season and many others, what steals the peace away from this season and many others, what steals the love away from this season and many others, and what takes Jesus right out of the place where he should be in our lives is who we're living for. See, Joseph was concerned about how it was going to look to other people. And what the angel is saying, Joseph, you don't live for them. Don't fret. Don't fear to take Mary as your wife, for this baby is from the Holy Spirit. It's good. Trust me. I've got this. And I don't know about some of you in the room, some of you are probably anxiously anticipating 2023. You've had enough of 2022. Some of you are, are in here and, 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 and you're already frustrated about Christmas because you were threatened if you didn't come tonight that you weren't going to get dinner or presents or anything like that. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't know where you're, where you're coming from, but for me this year, I've needed to hear the Lord say, trust me, I got this. Trust me, I got this. You're not living for them. You're living for me. And that's what struck me about what the angel says to Joseph here, because it appears that that Joseph was more concerned about the public opinion than God's opinion. And how true is that for some of us? Do we live in fear of what others are going to say about us if we do this? We make ourselves look great and the opinions, you know, the, the opinions of others and we try to get likes and we, all, all of these different things. And the truth is that if you look around the room, and I know we've got the lights a little weird tonight because we're going to do the candlelight in just a few minutes and all of that. But if you look around, the one thing I can promise you is this. And so I've never met some of you, and I'm about to make a statement of you that I know beyond the shadow of a doubt is true. I know that for each and every one of us in this room, none of us have it all together. None of us. None of us have it all together. There's probably one or two of you in this room that haven't even started shopping for tomorrow. I'm proud of you. That's a level of faith I don't have anymore. That was like 10, 12 years ago, Travis. Bless you. 
We'll be done in 23 minutes and then race is on for you. None of us have it all together. And can I tell you something? That's great news, isn't it? That's great news. There is no one that levels the playing field like Jesus, who says in Hebrews that I've experienced the full breadth, the full length of temptation that you're going to experience, anybody that reads this, yet have remained without sin. None of us can say that. None of us can say that. None of us can make that claim. Therefore, none of us, everybody say none. none. <laughs> now we're getting there. None of us can make the claim that we've got it all together. And that's comforting, isn't it? Now, granted, granted, some of our stuff is more visible than others, isn't it? Some of it smells a little worse than others, doesn't it? But no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, I take comfort, and I believe you should too, in the fact that we don't have to live for the approval of the people in this room. We don't have to live for the approval of the people that we're going to come in contact with over the next 24 hours or next week or next year. We don't have to live for their approval. We live in, in, in approval for an audience of one. It gives me comfort that God doesn't hold my I don't have it all togetherness against me. And that's why he sent Jesus. That's why he sent Jesus to be Emmanuel, God with us, because he knew we couldn't do it alone. So when we mess up, when we sin against him, when we sin against each other, and we all do, what does God say about that? Does he condemn us? He calls himself to us again. He calls us to himself again. We read passages from Paul that tell us who is to, who is to condemn. Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation, trials, distress, persecution, famine? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that great news? That's great news. God sent His Son into the world not to condemn us, but to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And in fact, even to pray for us, to intercede for us. That way, nothing, absolutely nothing, Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so really, that's why we celebrate tonight. That's why we're celebrating tomorrow. It's because, God, it's because of God's intense and passionate love for you and for me that He sent Jesus for us. We talk about a baby coming into the world. That's what we celebrate but the story is deeper and richer because it's about me and it's about you. I want you to think about the story of the prodigal son. You ever heard the story of the prodigal son? The story of the, 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 the two sons and the, and the younger son, he goes to his dad and says, Dad, I'm tired of living at home. 
I'm tired of living at home. I want to be my own boss. I want to make my own decisions. So give me my inheritance. Give me my allowance, essentially, right? Whatever you have set aside for me to kind of send me off, I'm going to go. I'm going to make a life for myself. And what does he do? He goes and just throws it all away, spends it all, right? Probably went to a Celtics game, got a couple hot dogs at Fenway, you know, I mean, just spent it all so much so he was in such a bad way that he ends up living with the pigs, okay? Ends up living with the pigs. Luke 15, if you want to read it for yourself at some point, ends up living with the pigs and finally wakes up one, one day and says, you know what? My father's servants live better than these pigs are living. Maybe if I go home, dad will take me back in to be a servant. Maybe, just maybe, dad will take me back in to be a servant. Then what happens is unreal, okay? What happens is unreal. I, I love this, this story. Son goes home. Dad's sitting on the front porch. Why is dad sitting on the front porch? He's waiting for his son. He knew it was going to happen. Waiting for his son. Sees his son off in the distance or smelled his son off in the distance. Because remember, he'd been living with the pigs, right? Sees him off in the distance. And, and you remember what he did? Scripture says he did what? He ran. Let me tell you something. Dads in this time didn't run. He got up, ran off the porch, goes and embraces his son. Puts a ring on his finger. You know what that was doing? You know what that's symbolic of? Families had a, had a, had a mark at, at, in, in that time. And, and, that, and on that ring would have had the family mark. And so he puts the ring back on his finger saying, you're my son. You're my son. Welcome home. Kills the fattened calf. They have a feast. Throws him a party. Right? Throws him a party. So as we think about that story, thinking about how bad that son had messed up, he used up all of his blessings, used up all of his inheritance, and yet the father who represents God in the story was there waiting for him. And that's why sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll sit with somebody and say, what's your prodigal son story? Because whatever mess you're in right now, whatever you come crawling into this room December 24th of 2022 in, God's on the front porch waiting for you to restore you, to embrace you, to love you. And He won't make you go take a shower first. He's going to take you as you are. And we need to hear this, family. We need to be reminded that we're loved. And so Joseph gets it. And he says yes to the angel. He doesn't worry about the world and what they're going to say about him and his soon-to-be uh, pregnant wife. He doesn't worry about the shame. He doesn't worry about any of that. And instead, Joseph says, yes, I will love, I will care for Mary. And ultimately, what he says is, God, I'll trust you. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense to the eye. This doesn't make sense whatsoever. But I will trust you. I will trust you. And so in a moment... We're going to light our candles. Not quite yet. And just 
in just a moment, and don't, don't do it just yet, but you'll flip your candle over and there's a little black switch and you just yank that thing down and it'll turn on for you, hopefully. If not, there's plenty more in the back, hopefully. We tested all of them, I believe. So it should work. Not taking into account user error. But why do we do this? This got me thinking this week. Why do we do this? Light is a symbol of hope, isn't it? A beacon of light guides an airplane into, in foggy conditions. A lighthouse steers a ship away from a dangerous uh, shoreline. The reflectors on the highway median will guide you in darkness. How many of us, be honest, you're in church, sleep with a nightlight on? Come on. Five or 85. How many? I, I can see some of those hands. And you're like, you're like, hey, me. Some of you need a nightlight for Christmas. People in darkness are overjoyed to see light. You ever driven through a long, dark tunnel? You're so glad when you see the light at the end of the tunnel. And we do this tonight. We make all of this happen because Jesus came as a light to guide us and take us away from the darkness. John chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus said, I've come into the world as a light. Whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And so Jesus came into a spiritually dark world. Just look at what's going around and we can see the darkness, pandemic, wars, famine, sickness, social, social discord, injustice, and so on. But from the time that Jesus was born until the time that he died, Jesus, the light, attracted people, attracted their attention. Jesus constantly drew people out of the darkness. The blind are given sight. The desert raised the light. The hungry are fed. The sick are healed. The spiritually thirsty are quenched with living water. But today, where does God display His light? It's in you. It's in me. That's part of the majesty and the beauty of Christmas, that we have an opportunity to bring His light with us wherever we go because Jesus is the light. And they shall call His name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Which means God with us. And so this Christmas, tomorrow, tonight, wherever you're going, Target, Walmart, again, proud of you. Go into the world and shine the light of Jesus so that others may see who Jesus is in you. And for some of us sitting in the room tonight, I believe, I believe that you may be like that conversation I was eavesdropping this past week. You may be sitting here tonight and say, this is how I make Jesus a part of my Christmas. That may be you and your mentality, and you haven't even realized it. This is how I keep Jesus part of my life. Can I tell you something? That I believe you are missing out entirely on the goodness of who God is in your life. What would it look like for you to embrace Jesus as the point? 
as the whole thing. As the whole thing. I was reading in Micah this week. Micah chapter 7 says, I will wait and trust. I will wait on the God of my salvation and essentially trust Him in the meantime. That's the Travis translation. I will wait on the God of my salvation. I will trust Him. I will trust Him. I will put my full trust in Him. And so I just want to pray for you. And after I pray, the worship team is going to come. We're going to cut out some of the lights just to give you a fair warning. And we're going to sing Silent Night and hold these candles. And as we do so, I want to invite you to ponder Jesus who came that you might have life. Who came to light up your world. Who came to be the point of our lives and not just a part. And I want to encourage you I want to encourage you to make Him the point of your life. And like Joseph, not pondering, not worrying about what other people are going to think, about what other people are going to say, about all the things, all the ways that you've messed up and you're not worthy. Because that is exactly why He came. That's exactly why we have Christmas. Because Jesus knew Because His Father God knew that we needed Him. And so God, my prayer tonight is this. That God, You would be the light in our lives. That You would be the light in our hearts. God, that You would light away the darkness. And God, that we would trust You that we would trust Your will and Your way in our lives. God, that we would not insist on our own way, but that we would trust You, the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.